to Leadership in Crisis podcast. Why do we need to connect with people? Relationships are important in life. They make us feel safe and help us deal with stress. Relationships aren't only important in your personal life. So, as a business leader, you should also build professional relationships. Customers retain customers and manage your reputation. And it gives a best employee connect to make things work and keep all stakeholders happy with better outcomes. I know many people may be wondering what I'm talking about. This is your host Swami Sri Parambadur and you are listening to Leadership in Crisis and we have invited a special guest Dr. David Bradford, professor from Stanford University to talk about his latest book Connect, building exceptional relationship with family, friends and colleagues. David Dr David Bradford is uh, Eugene O'Kelly to emerit as senior lecturer in leadership at the Graduate School of Business Stanford University. He received his BA in psychology from Oberlin College in 1960 and PhD in social psychology from the University of Michigan in 1966. After graduation he was assistant professor in the department of psychology at the university of wisconsin madison from 1966 to 1969 and in 1969 he came to stanford university to join the graduate school of business in order to develop what has become the landmark course in the mba program interpersonal dynamics that we always call touchy and feely He was the founder and first director of the Management and Organizational Behavior Teaching Society that focuses on innovative approaches to experimental learning. He was also the first editor of the journal Journal of Management Education. His research and consulting has focused on the question what does it take for individuals and teams to achieve high performance? This has led to developing new approaches to leadership that release the potential within organization. In addition to numerous articles, he is co-author of the best-selling books Managing for Excellence, The Guide to Developing High Performance in Contemporary Organizations, Influence Without Authority, and Power Up, Transforming Organization Through Shared Leadership. He co-authored Reinventing Organization Development. and co-authored with Carol Robin Connect building exceptional relationship with family friends and colleagues Dr Bradford has lectured at the consulted for a range of organization in the private sector including Frito-Lay Havelock Packard IBM Levi Strauss and Co McKinsey and Company Raytheon Starbucks Roche Pharmaceutical as well as in such a not profit organization as the Asian Art Museum of San Francisco the Art Gallery of Ontario the Detroit Institute of Art the Getty Museum and the Whitney Museum of American Art and so and so and so many i mean he has a a plethora of giving back and giving lectures 
at many different universities organizations and the companies so it is definitely our privilege to have him on the show dr bradford welcome to leadership in crisis thank you glad to be here so uh, there are so many things that we can talk and you are such a knowledgeable scholar on this so just to you know give a brief idea to our listeners what is the deeper meaning of exceptional relationships from your perspective yes first of all let me say relationships are in a continuum some of our relationships are casual some are closer hopefully those that are important to us are strong and robust and we would say a few could become exceptional exceptional isn't the goal for all relationships but what characterizes an exceptional relationship are the following factors one is can i be myself and can i build conditions where you can be yourself mm-hmm. and much of life we present an image we uh, spit an image on the belief that if i were if i were truly myself i would be less powerful leader like influential likable and so on and that's not true the more we're ourselves in an appropriate way i think the more powerful we are so that's one characteristic mm-hmm. characteristic is we can be honest with each other i can say what i mean and and mean what i say and you don't have to read between the lines The third thing is I can trust that you won't use my self-disclosure my honesty against me but do you have concerns for me and that ties in with the fifth dimension which is we're committed to each other's growth and development and finally we can disagree we can even get into conflict and we can work it out productively not all relationships can be on the top in all of these takes a lot of effort as the book shows but maybe there are four or five at work at home with friends where you can be this way and also use these dimensions to strengthen any relationship you have wow fantastic wow you gave a complete overview and you touched on some key elements reading between lines and that is always the problem because you are not candid or you are not transparent maybe because you don't trust them because you don't have that relationship always people say something and do something i mean you really narrated very well on different relationship thank you so just have a spin to it why these exceptional relationships is a key quality to a leader in the organization or in the business well you may not have an exceptional relationship uh with with as a leader but you can have very strong robust uh relationship where many of these characteristics are met where i can be more myself where i can be vulnerable leaders think they can't be themselves <clears throat> they can't show themselves that's not true and the reason why this is so important in business is we do business people do business with people we are highly interdependent yes we work on strategy and uh product and stuff like that but we need trust i need to know that when you say something i can believe it because we we need each other and what we would argue <clears throat> is that powerful leaders 
build strong relationships, certainly with their team, certainly with colleagues, certainly with key stakeholders. Uh, that doesn't mean they build them with every employee, but there still is a trust relationship with everybody that they deal with. Uh, again, you touched on a key points. The importance of this relationship at whatever the way is all about the people. And today's world, it is very advanced, very technologically advanced, which is a good thing, but people are only talking to machines. And when they are talking to people, they are missing these elements, what you are saying. So in a way, you are re-emphasizing how the person needs to exhibit the qualities to build the relationship. That's right. That's right. In, in a sense, I need to know that you, my boss, aren't a robot, that you aren't uh, uh, some impersonal thing, that, that you're a human being. <clears throat> so, so let me tell you an interesting story. Sure. I was um, observing the executive team of a major Fortune 500 company, uh, publicly listed, but closely held by the family. And the son had taken over as CEO and had been CEO for about five or six years. Mm -hmm. His father had retired. And, um, and John, we'll call him John, was doing quite a good job. And his father passed away. And so, of course, the executive team was at the funeral. And the first executive meeting after the funeral, John put aside the formal agenda and he said, I want to tell you what's going on for me. Obviously, I'm sad at my father's passing, but I also feel this great responsibility. This is, uh, in some sense, it's, it's, it's on my shoulders and I want to carry it on, but I want you to know that I feel my father's still here. I am concerned about carrying out his dreams as well as my dreams. And I want you to know that about me. And you could just feel the team coalesce around him. John was not just a numbers person or a strategy person. He was a warm human being who uh, felt like they felt. And, and leaders can show that. Yeah. They're afraid of showing that, but you can show your humanness. <laughs> Very true, because I think people will forget sometimes when you are in an authoritative position, authority brings the leadership that's what they think and they forget at times that they do have feelings they do have human abilities and they never expect and they sometimes just becomes ruthless and uh, feels like a missionary that's why i think um, i believe in uh, the latest terminology called rehumanizing leadership with a human-centric approach in the organization and uh, your book and your uh, information you and Carol strengthened my ideas so I am transforming that in my organization so thank you so much well thank you I'm honored <laughs> so in in the book uh, I am seeing a different perspective and different models and one of the interesting thing is about the concentric circle model. So can you give a little bit about more and why, what is that circle and how it all gives? So we'd love to know more about it. Yes, we, we call it the 15% rule and it follows nicely on the points we've just been making. So when we say, let yourself be known, obviously you don't share everything. Uh, if you shared everything, they would 
lock you up. That's a mental illness. Uh, we share things that are appropriate, but we're not sure what to share. So the 15% rule is, can I move 15% beyond my comfort zone? So here is the model. We want you to think of three circles, three concentric circles. The inner one is my comfort zone. What I can share with anybody. Uh, that I'm married, have two kids, work I've done at Stanford, things like that. Then there's the next one, which is the zone of learning. And the outer zone is a zone of danger. Hmm. You want to go to the zone of danger. You don't want to share stuff that could be not only used against you, but have you seen in an uh, erroneous way mm-hmm. as we read in things. But we tend to play it, play it too safe. And what we say to people is, can you move 15% out of your comfort zone? Doing that, in a sense, isn't disastrous. If it goes wrong, you can recover. But also, it's likely to lead to the other person moving 15% out of theirs. See, the trouble is when leaders are closed, they produce subordinates who are closed and work can't get done that way. And then if I move 15% beyond, you move 15% beyond, we become a little more comfortable. Our comfort zone expands. And then I could move another 15%. And in that developmental process, each of us become more human. That's fantastic. So I think it triggered one point, as you mentioned, when this comfort zone is there and you have a certain rules in the organization, obviously, you have a manager and some subordinates and they have to do, but when this kind of a concentric model comes in, will there be any negative impact or as a leader, how can I adopt from the business sense, this concentric model to get or create some high performing teams? Well, um, I think that if a leader can build safety where people can show more of themselves, then we understand each other better and there's less misunderstanding. And the best way for the leader to do it is is to demonstrate it. Now, let me make a distinction around vulnerability because vulnerability has a bad uh, uh, name to it. We tend to think of it as weakness, uh, something wrong with us. And uh, one of the things that uh, we do when we teach this is we put the word vulnerability on the whiteboard and we say to students, what does this mean to you? And you get the usual stuff. It means weakness, frailty, incompetence. And then at some point, a student raises his hand and says, for me, it means courage. It means strength. And I think that if you could see vulnerability as I have enough self-confidence, I can let you know this about myself. Now, here's a crucial distinction, and there's research to support it. If I'm vulnerable about my core competence, that will hurt my reputation and my ability to influence. But if I'm vulnerable about me being human, so let me give an example. I remember a time in um, when, I was te- when I was teaching leadership at Stanford, and my son got quite sick and I went in to teach the class. And I started the class by saying, 
I, I'm really going to work hard to be present, to respond to you. But I have to tell you, I'm being distracted because of my son. And I think if I say it, it's going to be easier for me to set it aside. That for me is vulnerability where I become human. And I could feel the class being supportive and we had a great class. And leaders could do that. Leaders can say, this is what's going on for me. This is my hope. These are my dreams. This is what I'm worried about. This is where I need help. And leaders who pretend they don't need help are not getting the support and the full use of their uh, subordinates that they need. No, very true. I think the vulnerability has become a, almost in the mainstream now. And uh, as a leader, everybody has to exhibit. And it is a, definitely a core value somebody has to bring. But one of the critical elements, which I liked the way how you said, is the difference between how the vulnerability is being used. The vulnerability, if you have in the core function, it is a problem. But if it is a, a nature as a human, which is not core competency, but it is a values or something you are saying in your example, that is absolutely right. And um, one of the things which I uh, can share which I felt personally is when this pandemic hit, when I had my town hall meeting with thousands of my employees, they were all asking a lot of questions. And I was, I happily said, I don't know, because I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, because I cannot, yes, I'm a leader, but I cannot have all the answers with me because I am experiencing myself for the first time I never encountered. So do you think that was okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because in a sense you implied, <clears throat> you see, there's a difference between do I have the answer and do I know that we can find the answer? Okay. And my guess is, Swanee, that you conveyed a self-confidence. We're going to work this out. <laughs> you can say, oh my God, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, we're going to go bankrupt. But you're saying, I, I don't have it. So when I do executive programs, I say to executives, Do you know, you probably know more than any one of your direct reports, but do you know more than all of them together? And if you do, you either have hired the wrong people or you're self-delusional. Yeah. And uh, what we say, one of the key jobs of the leader is to release the potential uh, in, the, in your team. And I think you do that when they trust you, when you have a relationship with them, when they can also say, I'm not sure, and can ask each other for help. That's where you get powerful results. No, absolutely, very true. So in this example, exactly, because I said, I don't know, but we all will work together. Yes. And um, just we reviewed our um, uh, financials of 2020, and we did pretty good because everybody stepped up. And yes. uh, in fact, we are very, one of the few companies, we hired more than hundreds of people in spite of pandemic whereas a lot of other organizations are letting people go but we hire uh-huh. many and we change the lives so that's exactly right so these qualities are very very important and one interesting thing which i would like to ask you uh, you have kept this also as a program for your mba and a lot mm-hmm. of these people are coming and they are learning and it is you are also calling it a touch and uh, touchy and feely so can you give a little bit about the program perspective and uh, how these people coming from are getting benefited of this course 
Yeah, it's, it's a unique course, and it's unique not because it has elaborate cases or simulations and so on. It's really quite simple. And it's a notion that we learn about ourselves from each other. In a sense, I'm an expert about me, my needs and motives, even if I may kid myself. But there actually are three realities. One reality is what I know about me. Only I know that. The second reality is my behavior, words, what I say or don't say, nonverbals. And the third is impact on you. And I don't know that part about you, about me. We say it takes two to know one. I need you to know me. So right now I intend to be clear. You and I are no talking. Only you know whether I'm clear. Now you're nodding, but you might just be very polite. So I don't think that's true. So I need to know the impact of my behavior. And in this course, students work in 12 person groups, quite unstructured, and they look at their interaction. And what is so exciting about it is students go in thinking, if I'm to be a leader, if I'm to be liked, if I'm to be sexy or influential, I have to pretend to be something I'm not. And as the term goes on, they become more and more honest. And what they find is how they really are is what works. So students walk out feeling very empowered that the real me, when shown appropriately, is much more leader-like, influential, attractive to other people. And that's why students reported as transformational, life-changing, because they discover a more fuller part of themselves. Excellent, excellent. No, I think it's a very hands-on course. It looks very interesting. So we need to go more about it. Thank you for sharing. Um, when I was going back to your book, what I've seen is some of this is the feedback. And to build the relationships, we need to have some candid feedback. But sometimes, you know, uh, personally, if I like somebody, and if I say something to them as a feedback, sometimes that also has a backfire. So can you give some kind of uh, your experience and stories on how to give a, a better feedback in the organization, which will help to build more stronger relationships? Yeah. At, at Stanford, we say feedback is a gift. It's not something to bludgeon the other person with. And by the way, when I hear somebody say, I'm going to be brutally honest, they're usually more brutal than they are honest. So let me go back, and, and because most of the time we give feedback in the wrong way. We give feedback that comes from our ignorance, mm -hmm. from our what we know. So let me go back to that three-part model I just gave before. If we think of three realities, what I, what my intentions, second reality behavior, third is the impact. We say, think of a tennis net between the first and the second reality. Now you can't play in the other person's backcourt. That's not legitimate. And we say, stay on your side of the net. But most feedback is I'm over the net. So if I say, Swami, you just want to dominate. I'm over the net. I don't know what you want. That's an attribution I'm making. And most feedback in organizations like that, you just don't want to work hard. You have a poor attitude. You don't want to cooperate with other people. You just want to empire build. 
No wonder that creates pain and defensiveness and hurts relationship. But if, and also, it's debatable. If I say, Swami, you just want to dominate, you say, no, I don't. And we're an impasse. But if I stick with my reality, and feedback should stick with your reality, which is what is the impact of your behavior on me? It's indisputable, particularly if I share my feelings. So let me make something up because you haven't done this. If I say, Swami, when you interrupt me, I feel um, put down and I feel ignored. That's true as my reality. You can't say, no, David, you don't. You're over my net. And if feedback was focused on the effect on me, then it is a gift because I need to know the impact of my behavior because only if I know that do I know whether my behavior meets my intentions. Otherwise, I'm shooting in the dark and you can't hit the target if you shoot in the dark. So we need to give feedback in the right way and then truly it is a gift. It may not feel good immediately to hear it, but if I know you care about me and want me not to make mistakes, then I can hear it and it helps the relationship. So do you advise any kind of a um, learning secrets to these leaders to improve on their feedback? Because it is very, very important, especially when you are in a C-suite and if uh, VPs or senior VPs are reporting to me, they are very crucial. But if I don't give them right to where the feedback, it may lose the business or we may lose them. So is there any secrets or some learning tips you have for the leaders? Well, I think there's several. One is you have to do it because you care about the person. And if they're doing something, one of the ways to think about it, if they're doing something that's bothering ask yourself, does that also hurt them? So let's assume, Swami, you were my boss and you say, I want to build a team where we can be open with each other. But you've just shut me down twice. That means your behavior isn't meeting your goals. Now, I may not want to in the meeting do this, but I may afterwards say, hey, Swami, you say you want this, but when you cut me off and you've been cutting other people off, I certainly don't feel free to share very much. Do you really want to have that impact? Mm -hmm. And I'm doing that because I want you to be a better leader. I want you to be the person you want to be. So I think you have to do it because you care about the other person and because you see that they are hurting themselves as well as annoying you. You could say, hey, I feel really annoyed. Now, one of the ways to do this is you also have to be receptive to feedback. You give excuses, it sounds defensive, you explain yourself, and most leaders feel isolated. They are pretty sure they're not getting the truth. So if their direct reports, because they're concerned with you and the company, take the risk of saying something, it may sting a little bit, but that's a gift. True, true. I think uh, isolation, 
at the pinnacle of the organization is always happens if you are not receptive and you are not open for your own feedback as well because you are always giving the feedback but you are not in the stage of receiving the candid feedback to change yourself so well said well said dr brad so if i can add something we've started we this part of the consulting which we call building a feedback positive organization we train managers how to give behavioral feedback and then every team three times a year goes away for a day and people do their homework and the morning is spent them saying what do we as a team do well and how could we come better so it's team feedback and then in the afternoon the leader says what do i do well and what do i need to improve on everybody has to can have two items in each of those categories and they have to be able to point to an event when it occurred they can't say you i felt your comments are inconsiderate they've got to say two meetings ago this is what happened and after the leader gets the feedback and writes it down without explaining themselves they then go around the team and give each other feedback it makes a team stronger understand each other better more powerful and then it cascades down the organization so the vp of finance does it with his or her team yeah and further on down and we found it makes it's hard you've got to keep at it uh but it makes a much more powerful organization fantastic fantastic so one final question to you on the book so you spent so much of research you and carol and uh, wrote all the beautiful messages for me but i'm sure there is a lot of hard work went behind in gathering the research so how many how much time it took for you to come up with the book and how many different organizations or the leaders you had a touch points and how it is from the global perspective you have touched over different people because right now with all the virtual global is open so i just want to uh, just as a curiosity want to uh, find out what all went behind the scenes good uh, let me start with the global it turns out already and the book has just been out 2 weeks is that 11 foreign publishers have bought rights to translate uh and this is around the world four are in asia russia brazil uh, and so on how we did it a lot of it is based on this course that we talked about that what we saw was when people can take the risk of being more themselves be honest magic happened it also came from the consulting because both carol and i do coaching and do organizational change and when we saw that leaders start to become this way um again powerful things happened so it really was i'm 54 years old a lot of experience carol is uh, in her 60s we won't give her exact age a lot of experience and um so we have all of that as the background now it took us three and a half years to write the book and write the book and to write it again and uh to try to distill all of this experience what we also did is we wanted this book to be one that had an impact that people could use so at the end of each chapter we first have a self reflection where we ask the reader take this material and apply it to yourself 
What do you do well? What do you need to work on? And then we've asked them to identify four relationships they want to improve. And we say, pick one of those relationships and apply this material to that and see what you learn from it. So it's very much of not just a book you pick up and put down, but it's a book that you pick up and use. And we hear that people are doing that and it's very, very gratifying. No, that's uh, one of the fantastic uh, uh, feature what you have provided in the book is the exercises. So it is not a regular book. You just read and forget, but it is every chapter. You are giving a pause button to us to reflect on what we studied, what we understand, and giving us an opportunity to explore the concepts and implement it in your own personal life. So that is absolutely mind-blowing and uh, it's almost uh, I, would, I would say it is like a workbook than just a book <laughs> because I'm really working with the book <laughs> good <laughs> no so so thank you so much uh, Dr. Bradford for um, joining with me on this podcast and giving uh, fantastic uh, information about importance of the building relationships and also as a leader one has to know all these triads and they have to completely improve on be vulnerable and also be part of this feedback so thank you so much for joining good to be here it was a great discussion and good luck on this thank you thank you and hope to uh, so when is your next book <laughs> i'm not sure my wife will allow me to do it i've been too distracted <laughs> Okay. Connections at home. <laughs> now you have to implement the book what you wrote at home. I completely That's right. With you. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Bradford. Thank you so much. Good to be here. It's been fun. Good luck. <laughs>